McNulty stunning for to get up above Cargill and find Bennett. It's into the box. McNulty cut back for Roberts. It's Gary Roberts no, from Bosby. are leading in the fourth round of the FA Cup. Mark McNulty, but a good chance by Doyle for McNulty on the edge. Mark McNulty oh, short yes. for Bosby. Smashes it past McCormack. One by Doyle. Finished by the returning Mark McNulty. First left blood for Bosby. They're in dreamland early here at Bratton. There's a through ball to Jamal Lowe. Jamal Lowe's onside. The flag stayed down. Jamal Lowe. Nonchalant. Fantastic. Brilliant. Pompey will be promoted at this rate. That is it. Pompey are champions. They won League Two in the most dramatic of circumstances. The PO4 podcast with Hugh Bunce. Proud to be Pompey. Hi, Bumpy fans, and welcome to Pure Forecast, episode 169. Well, it's one win in 10 for the Blues. What needs to change? To the podcast today is Freddie Webb. How are you, Freddie? Oh, I'm not so bad here. Yeah, aside from the football, my life's going all right. Work was fine. Cool house party over the weekend. That's about it, really. Nothing, nothing else going on with me except listening to that dreadful performance on the Sunday. I heard there's some disturbing stories about your house party, Freddie. I heard that, you know. What disturbing some, stories? So, some, some people got together. Some people might have got together. Potentially randomers turning up. SDI it's infections. That, 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 that's just. Flying around. That's, that's just hearsay and slander. Pure slander. Mm-hmm. I like the word slander. It just comes out of your mouth like a pure journalist, doesn't it? It's the sort of thing that just you have to use a lot, really, isn't it? it, it just a bit. Just a bit. <laughs> <laughs> full on slandered against you but talking about people who went to freddie's house party joining us today is chris brown or proudy how are you mate good uh yeah i was i was at the house party uh a lot happens i, I don't know if we can really disclose uh, the details too much uh but yeah thank you for having me on uh it's always good to be out of the reserve squad again and uh yeah i've got to dissect a lot this week uh what's happened this week is um Bit frustrating, isn't it? A little bit frustrating. No, I say a bit frustrating. It's been very frustrating. Sorry, I, I shouldn't really like downplay it. Has been frustrating, mate. It has been frustrating. But don't worry, like let's be honest. You stepped off the reserve, the reserves bench here today. But you don't have to step in for me this time. You're only stepping in for Andy. So you know, if you're half concentrating and talking back into the microphone, you're doing a good job, really. Yeah, I tell you that all the time. Yeah, I always seem to be Andy's replacement. I I, I did mention actually just before we started recording how. I always seem to be on the podcast if Hugh's not here, but I now only seem to be on the podcast when Andy's not here. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm still waiting for my uh, sort of permanent spot on the pod. I thought you're just too busy, mate, Proudy. I thought you're just uh, you're a busy man with your your video editing, your your producing, you know, your, your all-round football manager fame. Oh, no, I, I couldn't make time for Pompey. I couldn't, no one else to talk to, uh, like, talk to about Portsmouth. So uh, this is the only thing I can sort of uh, let all my frustrations out. Like no one else cares. Like the moment I say Portsmouth, everyone just switches off. <laughs> like most of our fans at the moment, right? But it just seems like I've got in a bit of a muddle then. I should have just asked you really, shouldn't I? It's like when you think a girl's too fit, you don't ask her out and you realise she's liked you all along. Oh, right, Fred? Uh, yeah, that, yeah, oh God. Yeah, no comment. <laughs> All right, let's get into the podcast today because we've got a lot to talk about. Uh, whilst Andy is frolicking around Wales, doing something that I can't even take the piss out of this time. So, you know, I'll leave that up to you to, to work out what that is. But first of all, we're going to review the game against Wickham. 
Following from that, we put a question out to you guys and we said, do you still have faith in the Cowleys? And we've got a lot of people who've messaged in. So I can see the boys tanking themselves up on some caffeine for a bit of a, a marathon session here to get through these replies. So thanks to everyone who messaged in. It is really appreciated. And finally, we're going to preview the game that everyone's looking forward to at the weekend. Not England. Accrington Stanley away if it goes ahead because of the cold weather. Right, let's get started. Let's just get this one over and done with Wickham. I actually travelled up there, boys, on my own. I fancy going to watch the game. I thought, I know what I'll do. I'll have a marathon sort of football day. I'll start off with Pompey, then England, you know, win after win. Got one out of two, at least. I was late. I didn't realise how shocking it was to park in Wickham. And I ended up parking about 20 minutes away on top of a hill on a grass verge, parked in front of someone's driveway, which may be really popular. But I got down to the game and I've just seen the highlights back again. And you can literally see me walking into the stand as the ball hits the back of the net from from Mehmeti's uh, goal, which is great. Like on video, I literally walk into the ground and completely curse the team as as the ball flies into the back of the net. But you've got to say, the ball comes over top. Robertson probably should have done better in the air. I think it was Robbo. Gets played through. Brennan Hanlan who is literally the XG wizard based on the fact that he always underscores his XG more than John Marquis, which is the what sticks in my mind when it comes to talking about him, plays a nice ball through, probably doesn't shoot, good idea, and Metmeti lashes it in. It's one now. It's deserved. Proudy, what are we going to take for those opening 14 minutes, which exactly pinpointed the time of me arriving at the ground? Well, I, I think um, I've I've noticed as the season's progressed, we seem to be starting slower and slower every game. Where it gets to a point now where it doesn't even seem like we started at all on uh, Sunday. We were second, well, I mean, not even second best. We were third best to everything, which was, you know, it's saying a lot, uh, which, I mean, when you look at the team when we had in September, it's completely different. You know, we, we can always talk about like, you know, the injuries that have caused like issues, you know, team selections and stuff. And Cowley's obviously arms have been sort of like twisted with certain like players not being available so then we're sort of forced uh you know it's like uh was it you know square pegs in round holes sort of thing uh but yeah we, we, it's just like the players that are coming in as well like I, it's not an awful team that we put out every week it's not horrendous compared to our strongest team but like we just don't seem to get going at all and then we seem to be in a situation now where we'll go one nil down you look at the team do, do we even think this team's going to come back i think in september i was always I always kept faith with the team. We went one nil down a couple of times. I know Cambridge and like Peterborough, you know, we sort of struggled and then we came back. But now when we go one nil down, I can't see us coming back at all. And we're just, yeah, it was just awful to watch um, from start to finish. Uh, I mean, you can't really blame the sky curse. We, it's just been like that, whether we've been on TV or not. Freddie, Met Metty was the guy that you highlighted in the preview and he pretty much tore us apart, didn't he? And we'll come on to talk about his assist a little bit later on. But, it carried on in this game, didn't it? Because he could have had a second goal. Josh Griffiths gets down nicely and saves it. It's a bit more of a comfortable shot there from Metti. Inside the box, though, again, no one closes him down, which is pretty awful. We have one of the weakest penalty appeals I think I've ever seen when I saw it back on TV. I was asking from the other, from the boys in the stand, I was going, oh, is it a pen? Is it a pen? Because you can't see it's down the other end, isn't it? It's never a penalty. Is it? I've never seen our players go so big, Freddie Webb for what has got to be the most lax penalty appeal ever. It was literally nothing, to be honest. It was just a, a clash between Curtis and the defender, and that sort of thing happens pretty much 50 to 100 times a game. It wasn't even anywhere close for me. 
And that worried me because really they surrounded the referee for the penalty. And the ball was played all the way down the left wing while they were gesticulating at the official. That, that sort of thing wouldn't have happened in August or September when this team was flying. It just shows how desperate some of the players are in that scenario where they're clamoring for like a glimmer of luck in their, in their mind mainly. Because yeah, before, even before and after that decision, probably were terrible in this game. Overall, probably the worst game of the season. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure if you agree with me. Charlton away was also god awful, which which all three of us went to. But no, I think this probably was the worst game of the season. And yeah, defensively, we just didn't deal with Wickham's direct passing and aerial duels at all. I think Wickham's aerial duels were like 67% win rate, which is pretty mental in that regard. Probably just didn't couldn't deal with it whatsoever, whether it was a midfielder or a defender sorting that out. And with the back three on paper, you'd think that's the part defensively that we'd be able to deal with. No, it was never a penalty shout and probably had no control of this game whatsoever, to be honest. Prada, you touched on Pompey not coming back and scoring goals. I had a little flick through some basic stats for the game and it said, sorry, before the podcast, and I noticed that Pompey didn't play one through ball, apparently, according to, to who scored. And when you've got Dane Scarlett playing up front on the on the shoulder as the idea, and then Colby Bishop sort of dropping off him, is there just a complete lack of link-up between the front three? Obviously, Curtis at 10, sort of an experiment we've seen before, and it doesn't work, does it? Uh, no, I, I think that was... I think when we were looking at the sort of formation uh, beforehand, I think a lot of people assumed we went back to four four two. Which I think at times it did look like a four four two in some respects because we were so far back or so far pinned back, like we just couldn't even get really um going like forward. And obviously trying to defend against Wickham, who we know are a physical team. I think I think, yeah, like we talking I'm sorry about the Curtis number ten, I think we've seen it for years, it doesn't work. You know, I think Jackett's tried him there. Obviously Cowley's tried him there uh, last season, and we know it doesn't work. It, he's much better on the wing. And yeah, like we don't get the ball to Scarlet enough or like he seems to just be lacking service and it comes from our midfields. And I just don't think our midfield is creative enough at the moment. Uh, I know we're missing Morel or he's just come back or he's, he was on the bench on uh, Sunday and he's just come back from the World Cup. But yeah, we just don't seem to have any creativity in midfield. And, you know, it's, it is really frustrating. It must be really frustrating for the strikers as well. It says a lot when one midfielder goes down to injury and then the entire thing goes to pot completely. I know last pod we said we wanted the back three. We were clamming for it because matching up against Wickham, you want more control in the midfield, fine. We said that with the proviso is we'd actually have a natural player to play on right wing back as well. Because none of us knew, and I certainly didn't, that Swanson was injured for this game. And so I looked at the paper and thought, hang on, he's not in the starting level or the bench, what's happening? He had a stomach injury apparently for the entire week, which we didn't know. As far as I'm aware, it wasn't reported either. Just shitting himself like the rest of the squad were on the pitch. Yeah, pretty much. Well, as much as the individual performances were poor, I also think this match is the example of Danny Cowley's probably worst team selection. Playing Curtis at 10 instead of Hackett, even though Hackett can actually have some close control in the midfield, I don't understand that at all. I don't understand playing Ogilvy at left wing back instead of Hume, and Ogilvy ended up having probably his worst game in a Pompey shirt, I think. I can't remember a worse one. Playing a winger at wing-back, Owendale didn't look comfortable at all. He seemed pissed off pretty much for most of the entire game. And then, because you're playing Ogilvy at left wing-back, you have a very immobile back three centre-halves, which you need both your right and left-sided centre-half 
to have a range of passing. I think Robertson does, but he's not as mobile as you would like. And I don't, I think Morrison struggled on that right side and he struggled when I think we switched to a back four and he played at right back as well, which was a bit mad, but that's mainly down to injuries, which is fair enough. I don't think that helped matters at all, to be honest with you. And, uh, and a lot of criticism was thrown at Cowley for that. And I, I think it's justified personally. I don't, we saw this last season, whenever Cowley played a winger at wing back, it just didn't work. And with that proviso, you may as well just stuck with a back four, try to keep it basic. If you had to play Morrison at right back, fine. But yeah, I thought I'd mention that considerably clamoured for that formation for ages and then it just didn't work in this game whatsoever. No, it didn't work at all, did it? I thought it was quite interesting that he bought Jay Mingy off at half-time and bought on Ryan Tunnicliffe. I actually thought Mingy did better winning the ball, winning the ball back than Pack even in that game. He actually had four tackles, for instance, in the first half, which led the team and he only played 45 minutes. Pack's really struggled, isn't he, Chris, recently in this game? Well, in the last few games, he's come back. He doesn't really look fit. He's not had the same influence on the ball. Are we just saying that he's not he's not match fit or he just needs someone different next to him maybe to, to make to, it just work? Just to jump in here, it was Pack's misplaced long pass down to the wide, which Wickham recycled to Sam Vokes eventually, and that led to the to the second goal as well. well he, he's been a, he, I'm sorry, Pack's been a bit of a ghost for the last five or six games. As Freddie mentioned as well, you know, one midfielder getting an injury has seems to have affected the entire team. And I think Pack is one of those players who has been really affected with Lowry's injury. I think, um, you know, we, we knew what Pack was sort of like. He was going to be like the sort of quarterback, sort of in front of the defence. You know, you give him the ball, he could spray it left and right. You know, he, he can sort of uh, dictate the tempo of the game. But I think the issue is, is that, you know, a player like Lowry who would run for 90 minutes, he can link the midfield to the attack. And we don't have that. Like Mingy's, Mingy's, I think, is a really good defensive midfielder. He can win the ball creatively. I don't think he has it as much as like a couple of the other midfielders we have. And then I think it probably puts Pack under more pressure to sort of have to do more jobs than, you know, Cowley probably brought him in to do. I think the one thing as well, which I think a lot of fans have been clamoring for, and we haven't actually tried it this season, is a 4-3-3. I think we need another midfielder uh, in the cent- centre. Hopefully that will give Pack a bit more protection and actually give him some more sort of more chance of getting something in as some sort of foothold into the game. Because yeah, as you said, he does, he, he has ghosted the last few games uh, that he's been in. You don't see his sort of influence as much as, uh, you know, probably the first couple of months of the season. It's something that Danny has to like try and figure out because yeah, it's, it's starting to, uh, st- there, there are a lot of problems which are starting to creep in to our game. Fred, do we need to just move back to the, the XG-less, minus one, can't actually sort of create any chances, but steadier at the back, four four two formation. When you look at what happened for the second goal of Mehmeti, you think he had three players around him before he managed to put a ball into the box for the cross for the goal. What's even funnier is he managed to stop, control the ball, play it around a little bit, whilst three players danced around him and let him put the ball into the box. So what is this shambles going on, mate? That's purely down to just poor individual defending which we've mentioned before by just watching watching the games back for large periods of the, periods of the game Pompey are fine they don't create that many chances relatively compared to their expected goals against but re- but recently that's been getting worse and we're seeing more examples of just poor defending in the build up to shots which has been the case this season I think they purely have to go back to a forward back formation because we don't have anybody to play right wing back 
we don't have anybody to play right back either, really. But having a fill in at right back would just make things a little bit easier, in my opinion. But I also agree with Proudy that we haven't had the control in the midfield probably for, I can't remember the last time we did in a game, purely down to injuries. So I think a 4 3 3 might work. If Cowley wants to keep it simple and go back to a formation the players know and goes back to a 4 4 2, fine. I'll accept that considering the scenario we're in. And that might be easier defending against Accrington with a back four. But yeah, uh, we can't go back to the back three until we have Swanson or Freeman back or Rafferty back who can play that that position. And I'm tr- it's it's incredibly frustrating again to say, oh, because of injuries, we can't do this. But I don't want to excuse the fact that Pompey now one went in 10 and the football's deteriorated. And I don't want to pin, pin that all onto injuries. I don't think that, I think that's quite lazy. I don't think that'll be fair. Because arguably, how long does your faith last if Pompey go on, let's say, 15 games without another win? And it's one win in 15. What if Pompey don't get another win before January in the league? What happens then? What what do you evaluate then? It's bringing up a load of questions which we didn't think we'd have given the start of the season we had. I'll touch on a couple of positives to round off the Wickham game. I thought that Josh Griffiths made a good save one-on-one which is nice to see. He struggled a little bit there when the ball comes through in one-on-one and sort of sticks his, I can't work it out of his leg or, or his hand, but he sort of makes himself big and, you know, stops that one-on-one chance, stop the game getting away from us, still at 1-0. And then obviously Rico came on and looked better at 10. He had a couple of shots, a couple on target, one at the near post, shooting towards the Pompey fans. That's about all I've got. Fred, if proud, have you got anything to say before I move us on? Uh, I think there's only one bit we have to do since we've got two people here. We have to play the most depressing game of Guess the XG I think we've ever played. <laughs> Guys, what, what, try and have a guess at what Pompey's expected goals was for this entire game. Oh, I'll be honest. It's, it's not something I've even seen because I've just been trying to distance myself mm. from pr- any... Pr- Prouder, you can go first quickly. No, I was um, going to say, I know, I know there's going to be a zero before the point, but is there a zero after the point as well? It's going to be, isn't it? Uh, I'm going to go for... I'm going to go for like 0.2. That's generous. Few bunts. 0.2. I mean, I'm just, I'm going to go a little bit higher than 0.2. I'm going to say 0.4. Uh, Proudy is near enough spot on, to be honest. It was uh, 0.23 XG. Probably, oh. not, probably not having probably not having a shot on target until the 74th minute. And that was Dane Scarlett from outside the area when he slipped over. And the highest XG chance was that Rico Hackett shot. Just outside the area, low drive, well saved by Max Striak. And yeah, we were dreadful. And I don't want to watch the highlights of this game ever again. I've watched them three times. I don't want to do it anymore. Well, I'm very happy that it's Proudy who won that over me uh, compared to Andy. So suck it, Mitchell Moore. Proudy takes a point. First time ever. <laughs> oh, dear. All right, let's move us on from this depressing talk about Wickham because I think we've covered it all. I don't think there's much more we can say about it. So let's move on. We put a question out to you guys and thanks to everyone who messaged in. And when I say everyone, I mean everyone. There's lots of different people and we're going to try and get through all of them now if we can. Depending on time, Freddie's going to edit the podcast for me tonight because I'm going to do some more work afterwards. So nice one, Fred. This is a great week for you to take uh, over and do right. the editing. Yeah, like, like we mentioned, we we normally record on a Wednesday, but we didn't because me and you were both doing ridiculous amounts of <laughs> overtime work on the Wednesday. And yeah, it's pretty much happened again on the Thursday. So we'll we'll see how we go. We're a team. There we go. We put the question out to you guys and we said Pompey were awful versus Wickham and now have one win in 10 League One matches. Do you have faith in the Cowleys to turn it round? It's a simple question. 
but maybe not so much as simple answers. Barney meshes in and he says, maybe the Eisners haven't given them a competitive budget, but the fact he refuses to change it up after such a poor run of form strikes me as stubborn and lacking ideas. He can talk a big game, but that seems to be it. He'd have been sacked months ago at many other clubs. I think it's fair to say that other clubs are a bit more reactive than us, aren't we? I mean, do you remember how long we asked for to get Jacket gone, for instance, boys, from perspective? It was years, years of plugging away. And we were quite kind about it as well at first compared to some other people. Do we think it's a budget issue, Freddie Webb? I mean, I, rem- I remember back-, back when a lot of fans were looking at the end of the summer window and thinking the squad was good enough for promotion or the playoffs. It's it is a shame that, that those those thoughts have simply gone because of the fact because of the form and understandably to a certain extent and some players haven't been as good as we thought they would be and I think there are some holes in this side. The injuries are a factor, but not all of it. I do agree with the listener where he said that Danny Cowley's been stubborn. He has persisting with the four four two when we've had no control in midfield whatsoever, and when the plays deteriorated and gone too direct, like it did under the previous manager. And I think the most frustrating thing is for people is the same trends are happening repeatedly with different players and different managers. The play going too direct when we where we play poor, there's just individual sloppy mistakes defensively when most of the game, even sometimes, were fine. And just the inability to make a final ball or a final pass, those problems have been with Pompey for what? Since we've been in League One, pretty much. And they persisted on the different players and managers, and that's frustrating. And you are right, uh, Cowley on uh, a different club with a more tr- trigger-happy chairman might have been gone by now with this form. And like we said, are those questions going to go away? Are they going to go away ever? No, because if another string of form like that happens, do you give him the su- another summer? Those are things you need to think about anyway. Lewis Pete Mesherson, and he says, I really hope they can, but the excuses and the stubbornness is starting to grate on me. The football has never really got going, and the results are poorer than under jacket. Chris, do you feel like we're doing poorer than under jacket? I'm going to try to be as level-headed as I can be. So I can understand the frustrations about the run of form. But also, we should realise that if you look at the league table, we're only two points off Peterborough. We've got two games in hand. We've only lost three times this season, which is the same amount as Plymouth, uh, although we have drawn eight. Uh, so results-wise, I don't think it's been... Oh, it's, it's kind of tough, actually, to really say that it's, it has it has been worse than Jacket. I, I want to say that in this season, it's been more difficult. I think there's there's stronger teams in there. I think... I, I'm pretty sure I was on one of the season previews and we did talk about how strong this league was. And I think a lot of people probably, you know, agreed with that. Uh, and it seems like some of those teams who we thought would be at the top of the table are struggling at the bottom. So now the teams who are actually near the top are probably the teams you weren't really expecting. I think, you know, like of Port Vale are just below us. Exeter are 11th. You know, I don't think a lot of people had them that high. I don't think it's, I don't think it's, Really, really panic mode. I think we we are starting to panic a little bit because of the the amount of draws this season. But we still have a chance of getting into those playoffs if we win those games in hands. That that's that is you know the matter of facts. And if we win the two, if we won the two games in hands. What are we on like thirty five points, which actually puts us fourth. If Barnsley, Bolton, Peterborough, and Derby all lose, so you know, and then suddenly if you're fourth again, everyone's suddenly like you know, yeah, it's fine. We're we're doing we're on course. So yeah, you just got. I, I don't think it's. Time to panic just yet, but yeah, I can understand why people are. Philip McCulloch messaged in and he says, with a full fit team, we could get a playoff spot and I've got faith in the Cowleys. 
What I can't ignore is us being 12 for budget. Not saying we must overpay, but if we're at least fifth or sixth, we can have a better squad to push for the autos. Obviously, form is off, but backing is poor based off that. Where do we know how much money have been invested in the squad? Does anyone know? I heard people saying about the 12 budget thing. I think a Sky pundit said it. I wasn't watching the actual Sky coverage. I don't have Sky. I was was on iFollow. That stat is hard for me to believe, given the players we have in this squad just in general and the transfer fees that we laid off in the summer. I don't think it's as low as 12, but even if that stat isn't entirely correct, you can look at it and think other teams are being more aggressive in the transfer window, which we knew pretty much for a fact in the first place. It, do, it doesn't, it, even though we don't have the accurate numbers in front of us, just look at the how often we're banking on the loan market to do well. Look at some of the other teams paying higher transfer fees, being more risky with their signings, or, or, or being more progressive in terms of buying players using data, that type of thing. The budget argument will not go away until this side gets promoted. I think that's a fact, to be honest. And it will continue the longer this side looks as if it's got holes in it, which it does, especially with the injuries and etc. But we're still missing, really, in my opinion, a right-footed centre-half who can has a proper range of passing. Arguably, if you want to play a back three, still missing a creative midfielder who can play 10, that type of thing. There are, there are gaps in this side. And considering Danny Cowley said to us, oh, I want three transfer windows... For, for a side to still have gaps in it that's aiming for promotion, that, that's a big worry for anybody, really. Tim Foot messaged in and he says, football's very knee-jerk. Building an effective organisation takes time and you can't just scrap at it when you hit a few bumps. If you do, you're back in to rebuild again. The most successful teams have had stable management. I believe they are the right guys. Keep the faith. I think it's fair to say, boys, as with Tim said, that sometimes a lot of teams... Stick with the manager. The long term works a little bit. Uh, and everyone's like, well, you know, glad they didn't get rid of him at the start. It's the old Alex Ferguson argument, isn't it? I suppose. And it, sometimes I think you, people can chop and change around managers. And let's be honest, who's actually out there at the moment? If say you did go and go full on, right, let's get rid of them. Let's get out. You know, is it realistic they're going to try and bring in someone like Liam Richardson, people have talked about or whatever, with a team that doesn't really spend a lot of money, let's be honest, on sacking people. And if they did get rid of them, they'd have to pay them out and then they'd have to bring someone in on the cheap, wouldn't they? Yeah, on the Liam Richardson point, if people thought think Cowleys and Jackets football isn't the most exciting, Liam Richardson's also isn't. Me and Proudy saw Wigan last season and they just, it was very basic, very direct. Nothing really exciting, nothing that will bring the players out a bit. If you want me to play that game, I think that only one name manager really comes to my head who I would like, and that's Lee Bowyer. Sounds mad, but remember, I remember his time against Charlton, got promoted out of League One, had a side that played very attacking, high-quality short-passing football in a diamond, and then he had that period at Birmingham City where he was literally running the club on a shoestring because they've been a basket place of a club financially for years and managed to get a team that was marooned for relegation just to scrap and survive in the championship. That fits. But I think it's too early to go down the looking at managerial replacements route. I think, for me, anyway, we can start having those debates if Pompey don't get in the playoffs this season. Then I think it's valid, to be honest. Yeah. 
I think I think so as well at the moment as well. I don't think there's going to be any joy coming from from chopping and and changing the manager right now at the start of December. Let's at least give it another month and see. I, I, Richie Hughes, new sporting director, says that we you know we're going to be tinkling effectively. I haven't got the direct quote in front of me in the transfer market. It's not going to be some sort of overhaul. It's going to be maybe bringing a player here, add add a bit of depth there. So I don't think even if you got rid of the manager, you're not going to bring someone else in and then spend a load of money to overturn the squad, are you? It's going to be a very much, we, it is what it is this season and then go again in the summer. And we know this club doesn't like spending in January. And when we do, we're pretty rubbish at it, aren't we, Proudy? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I know the January curse is uh, really strong with us. Countless, countless seasons we've, you know, it gets to January and it just strikes fear into my heart and then you see the signings we make. And on the on the you know, on the surface of things, you think, oh yeah, that's a really good sign. And oh yeah, that's, you know, that's going to add some depth. And then it gets a month later, you realize that, yeah, these, these players are dreadful who we signed. And, and January transfer is always the the hardest anyway. Like it's, it's, it's always hard to get it right. Cause you know, halfway through a season, the team's pretty much set in stone on how they want to play. And then you bring in a new player who doesn't know the system. You sort of have to shoehorn them in, and then you sort of upset the squad as squad balance as it is anyway, because you know players are so used to playing week in week out, and suddenly just aren't in the team. Squad harmony goes out the window, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, so yeah, January transfers are always the toughest. Um, I know that for sure. I don't know who we even bring in. Like that's that's the thing because you know it, it's it's a case where we got so many injuries, but they're not like long long term injuries. Like they're a couple of months. And if you've got players like Rafferty coming back in what, like February or March and you've brought in a right back, like, do you fit Rafferty back into the team? Do you just drop the right back that you've just brought in temporarily? Like, how does that work? You know, you, you've got to strike the balance correctly with, uh, you sign as you make mid season. Um, and that's how I see it. Oh, yeah. Shout out to Tim before, before we move on. Uh, cheers for buying us some coffees on buymecoffee.com. Tim, it's much appreciated. Um, Tim, long time listener, been listening from California, been there for the last three years. So, Cheers, Tim. Appreciate it, buddy. BTK80 messaged in and he says, I want them to succeed as they're two really nice fellas. But patience said Harold Shipman was a really nice fella without knowing his capabilities. Moral of the story, nice doesn't always bode well. I'm going to find that over to you, Proudy. Uh, what do you think about the, the warnings put out there by how nice Harold Shipman was? Yeah, it's, it's quite uh, quite a comparison. I'm sure Danny's going to be very, uh, what is it, honoured uh, to be put in the same sentence. Um, no, just, you know what? I think a lot has been said about uh, Danny's personality. You know, I, I've got a lot of time for him. Uh, I think I've seen like some of the stuff he does with the club and stuff like that and how he comes across, you know, it's, it's I, I always thought this, you know, I feel like there's just not one, there's like three or four uh, Danny Cowleys because, I literally don't know how he has time for literally everything he does. Like every time I go on Twitter, there's a Pompey fan who's met him. And I was like, but he was just a training, wasn't he? Like, how is he there? And here and there, oh, it's just mental. But I think the, the, the problem is, is that it can come across like some of the things he says, sorry, in interviews is questionable. I think is, is probably the right term of saying it. I think when he says, you know, we, we were on top for like 60, 70 minutes. And then I've been watching the same game and I was like, no, we've been getting battered. Like, I don't understand, you know, his viewpoint sometimes when he says, oh, you know, we dominated the game. We should have got more out of it. And I was like, no, I'm pretty sure. Like, if you look at the stats, uh, you know, some of the teams that have come to Fratton Park as well and have been on equal footing to us, 
has been a little bit frustrating. So I think that that's probably what is winding up a lot of people. You know, the, th- the fact he says, yeah, you know, we, you know, we are a lot better than the other team, even though you know scoreline suggests otherwise. We should have, uh, you know, I can't expect more of the players when you probably could. Uh, so I don't know if it's whether he's just protecting the players and obviously, you know, takes it out of them like in private. But I think that's probably what riles up a lot of fans at the moment. See, that's, I wouldn't say every manager, but we always complain there's no communication, there's no link to the to the first team, to the fans and all this stuff. And, you know, when you're on a pretty terrible run, there's only so much you can really say, isn't there, as a manager, I suppose. You know, what are you going to say every week? Come out and be like, we're shit. You know, I'll, we go again next week. I think the only manager I remember doing that's Martin Yoll at Fulham, and we know how well that went <laughs> when he literally just went out and battered the players actually every week, saying they were dreadful. But no, it's a classic thing of Cowley was saying, "Oh, we needed more control in the game. Uh, we were creative enough," and, and it's the fact that he's saying that over and over again, and the fans are watching that over and over again, which is the frustrating bit. That that's where the like the hyper analysis of either interviews or mannerisms or personality comes in when the side is one within 10, when we weren't doing that for a while. But do you not think this is the kind of thing he's obviously saying, not just on camera, but to the players, you know, he's seeing them regularly, he's going through training. I don't think he's just going to be there and be like, oh, right, you did pretty well last week, but you know, these are a few things we can improve on. Pretty sure he's, he's, he's watching the same games as us, isn't he? He's watching I mean, exactly the same game of football as we are. And as a football manager, you got to think he's watching it going, you know, we need to do this, we need to do this, and the players aren't executing. Yeah. I, yeah. It's, I think, you know, as, as mentioned, I've got a lot of time for him. I think that one of the things he keeps saying at the moment, and I'm, I'm, I'm starting to lose his value so quickly, but he keeps sort of, you know, he, he says, you know, we're, we're a Portsmouth football club. You know, uh, we need to be better than this. You know, this this town has gone through a lot and stuff like that. And, you know, it's it's a great saying. Don't get me wrong. I think, you know, he got a lot of people on board when he said it the first few times. But then when you get beaten 2-0 by Wickham and then you're coming out and saying that, and it's like, well, you know, you are the manager. You know, it's all well and good saying, oh, yeah, you know, we're Portsmouth Football Club. We should be doing better and stuff like that. But it's like, well, you're the one who's influencing really what happens on the pitch is goes from, you know, the players that play in the positions, the way that we set up, uh, you know, sort of, you know, the way that the game transitions. I, I'm questioning, you know, certain things where, you know, our defence is too slow and too rigid. And I think that's why we play such a, a deeper line. And then it means that the midfield and the defence are too far apart. And then it means that the midfield and the attack are too far apart. And then, you know, there's questions of playing long ball and stuff like that. So, yeah, I, I think there's there's certain things he... he <laughs> He says, "Where I'm like, yeah, it's not really got any value to it anymore if you keep repeating it." So, Jingy's just come out, you know, drop the catchphrases and just speak from the heart of what we all see is going on with a bit of a shambles at the moment and an ability to inability, it looks like to to score and in the last game, even just get anything going, really, isn't it? Mm. No, well, it's just it's another thing where, yeah, it, I suppose you look at it on the other side of the coin if he. If he just analysed the game how he saw it, a lot of fans would be riled up because it's like, well, you know, if he explains what he saw and this is exactly what we saw, then, you know, he's the one who makes the decisions to change that. And if he just comes out and says, oh, yeah, you know, we were poor here. Like, for example, let's say, oh, Colby couldn't hold the ball up. You know, we couldn't get it to him fast enough. The midfield were too slow and stuff like that. 
you'd have a load of fans also saying that, well, you are the manager. You should be changing that to make sure that these things don't happen. So yeah, I suppose now I've ex- sort of like talked about it. It's kind of hard for him to win in a certain aspect because, you know, he can, you know, obviously say the sort of mannerisms, which we've come to associate with him. And, you know, people will get riled up about that. And if he hyper analyzes the game, as we've known, he has a tendency to do as well. People get riled up about that as well. So, um, he might as well just not do the interviews. I think that's, that's the way forward. Well, he skipped the pitch side interview, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> just send out Nicky Cowley from now on. Just, just mix it up a little bit. Just get him to do the, the post game analysis instead. Problem solved. I think he, he, he's probably bad cop. I think I bet he, uh, I don't know this. I bet he absolutely batters the players in the dressing room. Maybe that's what the fans need to hear. Just get Nicky Cowley out for a few games. When we get battered by Accrington at the weekend and uh, just roll Nicky Cowley out there, freezing pitch, <laughs> let let loose on the press and tell him what he thinks. <laughs> Let's mix it up. Game Greg mentioned it and he says, personally, I still got 100% faith in the Cowleys and believe they can get us promoted this season. A dip in form is a major concern, but they have been faced with multiple injuries. A couple of quality additions in January will certainly help us get back into the playoff places. I'm just a bit worried about the, these quality additions and where they're going to come from. I've then again, no I, idea. I think financially, I financially it's locked up, isn't it? Pretty much. We did say, well, maybe, but we did say that at the end of the summer transfer window. We're like, look, you know, no one's coming in at the ends, etc. Then they brought in Colby Bishop, so I suppose that could happen. I don't think it's. I don't think it's one of those situations where we all really want them to succeed, right? We we all really want them to succeed, not just because. Not just because obviously we want Pompey to do well, because we do. I mean, that's a, that's a given, isn't it? That's a stupid statement otherwise. But, you know, they're both pretty likable blokes. They've got a bit more of a modern feel towards football. They're interested in analytics. You know, they actually watch back the training videos, unlike previous people. You know, they have more of an interest in developing the club in the right way. I'm also hoping with Rich Hughes coming in, he's got a decent track record at Forest Green that maybe working together, they've, don't feel quite as isolated to do everything. Maybe they can just concentrate a bit more on doing the on-pitch stuff, which at the moment is kind of needed. Um, but yeah, for me, still not knee-jerk reaction time, unlike some other people. So I'm sort of very frustrated as a fan, let's be honest, but putting my sensible hat on now, I can't really see any point in making any big decisions right now. Nigel Lawrence messaged in and he says, we cannot keep conceding goals poor for a week. Week in, week out, whilst creating very little up front. I really want the Cowleys to succeed. I think most of us do. But we're going to need better luck with injuries and stop persisting with things that aren't working, e.g. the Bishop and Scarlet partnership. Doesn't work, does it, Freddie? Bishop and Scarlet anymore? Little and large? I think, I think, even, with the, I think even with the lack of service in the midfield, they're struggling a lot, aren't they? And it, 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 even if for a lot of the games you think, oh, they didn't get really many chances... You're still wondering why Piggott isn't being given a few games. I mean, he came on and scored against Hereford. I know it's Hereford, but still, he 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 caused a lot a lot, a lot of problems in the opposition penalty area. Was an outlet from corners, and to be harsh, Dane Scarlett hasn't scored since the two goals against Peterborough in the league. At any rate, he scored in the cup game. It might be a case of just too many back-to-back starts for a player who is this is his first proper season in men's football where he's start where he's starting back-to-back-to-back games. It's the same with Joe Mingi, who came out in the news and said that he was struggling to get a 90-minute performance together purely because of the physical demands of that first season and the growing pains of it. 
it's a Pompey in a strange point where we are relying on those players, but with the aim of promotion or bust pretty much every in every single season. That's the mentality of it anyway. I wouldn't mind seeing Pickett and Bishop as a front two. It worked for me against Sheffield Wednesday first game of the season. I know that seems a while now, but they seem to link up fairly well. And I don't think Scarlett's done enough to warrant his start. I'm not going to go as far as to say that he's got like a, an appearance quota that, that I've heard some people say, and that's the only reason why he's starting. I'm not going to go that far, but it is frustrating when we see things like oh, Scarlett struggling. We see certain midfielders and defenders struggling. We see the formation breaking a little bit and it's still being picked over and over again. That's where the, um, that's where the patience is running out anyway. Although I'm not against seeing Pickett play up front with, with Bish, allowing Bishop to sort of push on and play that sort of frontline role and Pickett sort of drop off him rather than how it is now. I sort of feel that at the moment we can't get a grip of the game. So playing two up front is a complete luxury. Maybe we just, just take off one of those strikers and play an extra midfielder and try and get a grip on the game and try I mean, and get you some could balls even into go Colby. Two, three, one and play Hackett at 10. And when Hackett came on, that was like the only bit of creativity Pompey had pretty much in the entire game. I know he's, I know he's a player who's not to a lot of people's taste, but it might just, he, he just might be the sort of player that we need for these next two, three games or so. Well, maybe see uh, Dale at 10. What are you saying, Proudy? Put Dale in behind? Or no, play think, him on I the right? No, I think he's more dangerous on the right. Like, um, I sort of agree with Freddie about a 4-2-3-1, but it could be a case that, you know, you can find the best of both worlds where Piggott plays up front with Bish, but drops in, as we know he can do. He, he wouldn't essentially play as, like, the number 10, but he will act in that sort of fashion, so he will link up the play. And I think he has the ability to do it. And, you know, he doesn't have to stay in the middle. He can, like, drift out wide, which we've seen him do. He can cross the ball. He's He's, he's got a pretty decent cross on him. And obviously, Bishop will, um you know, thrive off those. So, yeah, like... Yeah, I find it frustrating as well with Piggott not actually playing more games. I think, uh, you know, it, I feel like a lot of the time when he comes on as well, like he doesn't have that much time to affect the game at all. Like uh, if he comes on in the 70th minute, you get your bearings, I don't know, for a couple of minutes and you now you've got 15 minutes to try and affect the game. And if you haven't got control of the ball, which we don't seem to be having either, you know, it's really hard for a player like Piggott to actually get involved. Uh, so yeah, like four two three one, I feel like it's a formation which will always work in League One. But you need that player in the new, uh, like in the nucleus, to build around him, and we just don't seem to have it. Old reliable four two three one works every time. Yeah. Oh, football manager, it does works every time. Like you know, as a there football manager expert, I can tell you, it works every time. The man, he's he's renowned for his promotions, has spoken. I like that, Proudy. Yeah, the promotions are poor, so there's no one else. So, uh, yeah. There we go. There we go. Promotions are poor. We don't give a shit about everyone else, Proudy. Just promotions are poor. <laughs> Um, shout out Luke Penning. I hope that answers your question, Ipswich fan. I want to know why we're not playing Joe Piggott more. So, <laughs> hope that helps answer your question. Cowley's Cowsmashton, he says, we're not playing well, but not losing many. I'd be more concerned with playing well and losing. If the club was still working like it was under Kenny, I'd be more concerned. There wasn't room for change. So many clubs feel the same around us um, currently. Listen to McAntony's words about the posh. We've been sport brats, people. A load of teams think feel the same as us, and we're just all high and mighty on our horse. So Pompey should be getting promoted. What are you saying, Fred? Did, uh, did he say? Did he say that about the fans or the players? I didn't actually see those quotes. I saw them. I saw a headline for them, but I didn't actually read into them. 
I don't think it's necessarily fit about the fans. I just linked it together. I think he's just <laughs> literally saying so many clubs feel the same about us currently. They didn't mention the fans in particular. So I don't know what Dara said. Okay. Well, given that, I don't, I don't see the expectations for Pompey needing to lessen. They are, I think, reasonable. Every fan going into the season thought it's playoffs or, and it, otherwise it's failure because it was because of last season. We not gave up a season. We sort of had a season to sort of bed in a style of play and essentially change around the entire squad and the entire way that the club was working on the playing side. So the fans accepted that a bit more. They're not going to accept it this season if we don't get in the playoffs. Not a chance. And that's not unrealistic expectation. That's just the reality of Portsmouth being in the third tier of English football. That expectation links to the the frustrations that many people are having. Because we're looking at the the, the top three in the league Plymouth issue with Sheffield Wednesday and uh, they're running away with it, top three. And there's like a gap between them. And you could argue that's down to finances, you could argue that's down to the, to uh, managers or individual players or whatever, but that gap is there. And Pompey not being amongst them is a concern, really. Harry Bond messes in and he says, really want the Cowleys to succeed. However, he asked for three transfer windows to have the squad capable of promotion, which he's had. Let him have four. So January included. Then it has to be minimum playoffs to show the kind of improvement on last season. No playoffs, and he goes. Do you reckon he goes, Proudy, if there's no playoffs? I think it's I think it's it, it would depend on the way we don't get the playoffs, I think. So if 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 it's more like we get to March firmly in the playoffs, it doesn't seem like we're gonna completely bomb out or something like that. I, I think that's, uh, and then we just completely like bomb the rest of the season and, uh, you know, just drop out, uh, as, you know, previous years have shown. Then I think he would. But I think if it's a case where we are, we improve, but we're still fighting with a couple of other teams around the playoffs and we take it to the last day. And despite the fact that we've, you know, we've gone all the way with, you know, teams above us uh, who probably have more resources than we do, then I don't think he does. So yeah, it's subjective, really. I think it's a subjective, subjective thing. I think it depends on how it happens, uh, whether he stays or goes. We finished fourteenth, Freddie. What are you saying? Uh, if it's that bad, if it's mid-table, then I wouldn't blame people for wanting him sacked at that point because that squad's better than a fourteenth or a fifteenth, and it would be very hard for the owners to come up with an argument in his favour at that point. Tyler messes in and he said the Isers don't want to pay for the championship. So as long as Cowley doesn't get Pompey relegated, then they're safe. Side note, what managers out there could or would be better options? He still backs them. We've been over that already, so I will skip past that bit. But also keep seeing posts about Robertson going to Derby. But the news has only been reported on the Pompey side. I've seen nothing from Derby about it, so how credible is it? Not very credible, from what I understand. I think the paper came out and said no as well, didn't they? Fred, your little rag that you, you write for? Yeah, the, the story initially came out in Football Insider that Paul Warren was looking into Clark Robertson, obviously played played for each other at Rotherham, and then the news asked Danny Cowley, and Danny Cowley brushed it off. So it, it just seems like someone putting two and two together. It wasn't the news that started it, so there we are. I'll, I'll, I'll keep that as much. But once you boys have uh, come out with some you know, try and put down some rumours rather than spinning them about Mason Mount. Uh, Ryan Tout messaged in and he says, his post-match interview with Sky was the first time I've not been filled with confidence. 
the way he said the only reason he got the Pompey job is because he's overachieved everywhere he's been before. He's not the greatest confidence booster. However, in the moment in time, I still trust him to turn it round. I didn't see the the after uh, match interview because I was at the game. Fred, did you see it? No, I, I turned off the radio immediately as soon as, as soon as McCleary's goal went in. So I didn't listen to that either. He's running out of things to say, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I think that's an example of him yeah. running out of things to say and being in the moment rather than admitting any fault of his own, to be honest. I think, yeah. that's, I think similar to the 12th budget in the league thing from Sky, I'm going to take that with a mound of salt, I think. Jamie Michigan, and he says, I was at the Wickham and it was very poor. Lack creativity or urgency. However, I've got full faith in the Cowleys. I think the start of the season can't be forgotten. You've had some bad luck and some injuries. Be careful what you wish for, Pompey fans. That's right. We could get, end up with, like, I don't know, Simon Grayson coming in. Oh, oh God. <laughs> <laughs> Steve Evans, is he available? He's doing well, isn't he, in League Two? Yeah, he's still doing well, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I know. I, I was going to say, like, uh, I remember when um, when Kenny went, and uh, apparently the favourite was Neil Harris, and then I've I've been, like, keeping up to date with, uh, obviously, Gillingham, because he's there. And uh, it could be worse. So I, I can't remember the last time they scored a goal in the league. I think it's now, what, about two months since they scored in the league? I know so Minogue's could... a big fan of his. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I, well, I've seen that they're currently uh, being held by Dagenham and Redbridge. So, you know, could have Neil Harris instead of Danny Cowley. Maybe we'll need to calm down on that basis then, right? <laughs> Maybe you need to take a little breath. Yeah, I was going to say Stendhal around. Is Stendhal around? He must be. He must be up to nothing. I've heard. I've heard. I've not heard his name once since he was linked with Pompey, and then it's just he's just disappeared completely. I heard he's got he's got a burner phone in his drawer by his bed. The only person that has his number is, I don't know, Michael Eisner. Personally, just waiting for that call. Now, Judgment did, and he says, "Nope, results and performances are absolutely pathetic." There's no excuses. This is a team after three transfer windows and other big clubs in League One wouldn't accept one win in ten. His quotes lately remind me of Jacket when he was coming to the end, trying to defend himself with silly stuff. I'm not sure we can draw similarity to how they talk around their post-match interviews with Jacket because that man just didn't really display any emotion or anything at all, did he? So I can't, can't say they're very similar in that sense. but. It's quite interesting. When I was at the Wickham game, chatting to people outside, because all of you lot abandoned me, so I'm just doing that weird thing where I just go around bumping into people, talking to them, trying to keep myself entertained, you know, who's your mate sort of situation, as I'm wandering over to people. And you had a sort of 50-50 split of people. Some of them are going, arguing between themselves with their mates, and it's like, oh, you know, this is not enough, it's got to change, and that kind of thing. And then someone's like, well, you know, what do you want to change about it? He'll be better, maybe stick with it. So it's a bit like the messages that are coming in now, isn't it? It's quite... It's quite 50-50. Everyone feels quite strong either way. It's either a, a slab, now back them, this is how it is, or it's a, this is not good enough, get rid of it. And I sort of understand both points. And without being the dickhead who sits on the fence, I do feel a little bit like the dickhead who sits on the fence because, I, you know, I, it's not good enough at the moment. But I think everything else seems to be, you know, it's like that situation where I want it to work out still. And... And I, and I do think that, that hopefully we can turn things round, find some form, some sort of formation, some flow, some game, get it back again. And, you know, I think it'll be at least the end of the season. And until then, there's not much point moaning about it all the time because it's going to be a long old season for us boys. 
I don't want that to happen again. Two years of uh, disgusting managerial change. Mm-hmm. And think of it this way. Remember when Kenny Jacket was nearing his managerial t- tenure? Remember how apathetic all the fans were? The majority of them, let's say about 90% of them, 95% of them. It's, it's nowhere near that bad. Uh, it, it, without dispelling that it is bad at the moment, one win in 10, with the creativity and the advanced numbers for attacking players going down the drain, it can be a lot worse than it currently is. But what I will say is, if it does get worse, it depends how much patience the fans have at this point, given it's the sixth season in League One. That, that, that definitely bears a brunt, I think. Apparently, I think our patience has been run so low over the years now that we're now a much more impatient bunch, and uh, things have got to change quickly. I've always felt, ever since we have sort of moulded from being like the underdog, which we were in our sort of uh, Premier League years and then obviously going down the divisions and then suddenly, you know, you go from like obviously the highs of playing all these like superstars that week in, week out and then, you know, and no disrespect to them, but when you're playing like Cheltenham all of a sudden and like uh, Morecambe and Cambridge and, you know, you go to that and then suddenly it changes like the way that you see Pompey as a club. You you, you don't go from an, un- so you go from an underdog to a team who you expect to just roll these sides over sort of thing and you know I feel like that's changed over the last I'd probably say yes it's been like this for like years now I'd, I always remember going to Fratton Park and you know we draw some of the games I've seen us draw like Hartlepool and Morecambe and you know people start booing all of a sudden because you expect to like beat them 6-0 because everyone seems to be thinking we're still a Premier League team when we're not anymore so I think it's just managing expectations uh, sort of thing. And, you know, there, there is a reason these teams are in the same league as us. I mean, they deserve to be there. We should really be treating them on the same level as, you know, the you know the North London team we're going to be playing in the FA Cup third round. It's going to be completely different. You know, we could get battered 8-0 and then everyone's going to be, still be like singing and dancing because it's Tottenham. It's the way that you see like games. Uh, but yeah, you're pretty right in the sense that, yeah, we've lowered our expectations so low that it's sort of just become numb now. Every time we get battered, it's just like, uh, you know, oh well, like sort of thing rather than, you know, it's, yeah, as Freddie said about Jackie, like apathetic, like just everyone, I remember like looking at Twitter every time we played on the jacket, it was just like jacket out every, every single reply, <laughs> even when we won. So yeah, I, I think people, just, I think people just need to manage their expectations a little bit better. I, I you know, as much as I'd love us to win 5-0 every week, you know, it's not possible, is it? Probably Lou Meshton, and he says, has always talked a big game, but little substance. Two years at the helm, and seriously, you can count the number of decent performances on one hand. you got, you got a turn. You, it I didn't take a bit far. of time. Nah, yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. It does take a bit of time to turn it around. I think that's what people now have been like, right, this is the season, right? And they've raised the expectations that Proudy was just talking about. And I think that's where a bit more of that backlash passions come with this terrible run, like sort of, you know, molded together those two factors. Joel Foy messes in and he says, no, he's clueless. Fair enough. Cheers, Joel. <laughs> Jake Mayer's messes in and he says, Cowley probably should be given till the end of the season. I don't have a great deal of faith he'll get us up and possibly not even into the playoffs. And the on pitch stuff is arguably no better than under jacket. But he needs to be given the opportunity. I think that's fair. He needs to be given the opportunity. <laughs> Let's not worry about it right now. Start of December. Let's see how it finishes at the end of end of the summer. And then we've got loads of time to be even more critical if it doesn't go well. Dave Hartley messes in and he says, 
Pompeyport on Sunday. The tactics didn't work. Only just worked against MK Dons. Wickham didn't have to work hard for the win, which was the main frustration. We need to have three midfielders uh, and then three at the back, as that's where we've gone consistently missing in games. We need to get three midfielders in. We spoke about that. I think we agree we need to take more control of the game. When Lowry comes back, that looks a little bit more tasty. Also, when but, Louis Thompson comes back. Yeah, Tunnicliffe. I completely forgot about it. Yeah, yeah. Tunnicliffe. Like, he's a good fill-in player. And when I say good, I mean that in the most average of ways. Because I know some other people rate him a lot higher. But for me, it, he's never really going to get a grip on the game unless you're playing against Forest Green Rovers. Alfie John messaging, he says, really hope we're having a good January window. And turn the shit show around. We need a new left winger. We need a new striker to go with Colby. And we could also do the centre-back who can pass a ball. Hopefully, our season could potentially be saved then. Freddie, that's a lot of good suggestions there from Alfie, which we all agree with, don't we? Yeah, pretty much. Those are the holes, isn't it? <laughs> Looking back at it, I remember Callie saying he wants the fourth attacking player, which to a certain extent I agree, agree with, if you can find the right one. I wouldn't mind a left winger who's left-footed who could also actually play left wing back. I think that would be ideal and add some flexibility. I think the options in the centre of midfield are there when all the players come back. So I don't think bringing in... Oh, you could potentially bring in a, mid, a midfielder who could play as a 10 and an 8, maybe. But you're in that situation, aren't you, that when all the centre midfielders are fit, how much are they going to play? There's a lot of questions that Mark's there. We desperately need a right... A right footed centre-half who has a range of passing. I think that's massive, to be honest, because um, even though the start of the season, the team defended very well, in a lot of the games recently, we're seeing the, sw- the switching just in between the defence being incredibly slow, the mobility being incredibly slow, which is which leads to the direct passing and the long ball. And it also leads to the gap in the field being too big. I think the defence might need tweaking in January, and then maybe even a bigger overhaul in the summer, potentially, depending on who's free or not. Got Pompey Goals message in. It says, I remember when we met up for, with the three lads in the pub co- podcast at the end of last season, Hugh. And you asked me, do I think we'll go up with the Cowleys? And I replied, I really hope and want to go up with them. The want is still there, but the hope is starting to fade, not going to lie. Well, I mean, the want is still there. That's a good thing, I suppose. Yeah, I do remember that. I mean, I was very hazily drunk, which has been said in the comments. You know, when you try and do four podcasts in a row, it was it was uh, it was a lot of fun. We'll do that again soon, I'm sure, sometime. But yeah, what else can I say about that? The the hope is fading. Maybe the hope's been dented a bit. I think I think that's where I am a little bit. Rather than necessarily fading away, maybe just my expectations to be managed back down. From could we push for automatics? All right, maybe the playoffs are there with my sixth place prediction. Oh, actually, it's going to be quite a battle, isn't it, to get into the playoffs and. Maybe that's where it's fading. Or is it going to be ninth for you? We wonder. Oh, was that your prediction again, it, Freddie? It was, yeah. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, I fucking know it was your prediction. That's why you <laughs> brought it up. <laughs> it's a rhetorical question. Callum messaged and he says, I hope the Cowleys... I love the Cowleys, but if you lose to Accrington, I think you should be sacked. It's a strange sort of tough love you got there, Callum. You've lost the majority of the fan base and the dressing room. Can't see how we improve unless we get a new manager in with new ideas and reinvigorate this group. Seems too stale right now. Do we know he's lost the dressing room? I don't. I don't think that's been mentioned anywhere, no, is it? No, no, no. no. I, I, I think you could tell when a manager's lost the dressing room. 
Like we 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 lack ideas, but I don't think the players are not trying. You can tell when the players aren't trying. Like it's, it's a clear difference. That's what I think. Also, how many professional footballers don't try as a team? Like we've seen some truly shocking managers. They just maybe don't work well as a team under tactics. Do they do they not try, not care? Uh, no, it it can be. <laughs> I don't want to say it's obvious because like, uh, I don't obviously work in professional football, but I think you can tell sometimes when players down tools, I think, uh, you can, you can sort of tell when they just lack care anymore. You know, they go out every week and just, I wouldn't say get hammered, but like they've just got absolutely zero impetus to actually get a result from the game. I think if you're, if you're trying, I think the players do try and they do care, but I just don't think it's just working like tactically for them at the moment. Seaside messaged in. He said, Bite in the midfield's gone. Sort that out. We'll be challenging again. That's right. We need to get a ball, a foot on the ball. Tom Lowry, where are you, mate? <laughs> sort him out. Give him some injections and get him back on the pitch early. That's what I'm saying right now. <laughs> we'll sort out the health ramifications in the summer. Let's get Tom back. Henry II messaged in, your highness, and says, I'm not sure, to be honest. I think I like them personally, but they're not getting the most out of the squad. Root problem is the owners running us on a shoestring. More people unhappy about the budget. Been there, so I'll skip us on a little bit as well. Rick May messaged in. He says, where's the high press gone? No intensity. Why do we start games so slowly and let the oppositions dictate the pace? Proudly spoke about that earlier on. The slow start has become slow games, isn't it? It was a slow start and then we sort of fought back and it was almost this novelty because we never won a game before when we went 1-0 down, did we? So we're all sort of like chirpy and leery about it and sort of like, yeah, look, now we can come back and beat teams and that's sort of stopped now. But yeah, get that bite back in the midfield. Ultra grumpy says, with an exclamation mark, the Cowleys are sadly out of their depth. Probably quite smiley for you, ultra grumpy. So we move on from that. Mikey says, no faith in the Cowleys. Fair enough, Mikey. Cool. I'll leave it there. There's a few more people. Sorry if I didn't get your messages, but... There's quite a few and I don't want to bore everyone by repeating ourselves. So we'll leave it there. And thanks to Mr. Tim. All right. Let's turn our attention to the biggest game in the world on Saturday, which is Portsmouth versus Akron and Stanley, obviously. You're <laughs> the pre-game for England-France. Hopefully it goes better than the pre-game <laughs> for England-Senegal. Uh, I know Proudy's got the weekend off, so he's going to be travelling up to Accrington. Oh wait! Oh god! It's meant to be what? It's like minus three degrees as well, and this Accrington's open ends away. Oh no! It's like chilling them all over again. Is the pitch actually going to be usable, boys? It's like they're notorious. For there, there's apparently going to be a pitch inspection before the squad travels up. So we'll we'll find out. It will be. We'll just see what happens, I suppose. And we're not like Stockport County, are we? We don't travel by plane everywhere. So that's actually more sort of like <laughs> linked into how the fans will travel as well, I suppose. So watch out, Proudy. You can you can see if Ronan Curtis is on a bus on Instagram <laughs> getting stagecoach up to um up to Accrington. All right, let's get into it. Accrington Stanley. We know all about them. We've played them over and over again, and they don't really change the way they play. At the moment, they're playing a I think they're playing a four-four. Oh, they're playing a four. I said that, and then they're I was like, Wait a two recently. Um, with Sean, <laughs> with Sean Wally and Tommy Lee up front. Oh, Sean mate, M- Tommy Sean Lee. Sean McConville's still in the middle. Um, being creative out. Look, they have Mitchell Clark who has five assists, who looks quite handy. And style of play wise, they're still very aggressive on the front foot, high press. On paper, it's 
not the sort of matchup I would have liked Pompey to have had after a, a very dreadful performance against Wickham. I think a home game would have been a bit nicer, would have gone down to play a bit. But no, considering the conditions, considering playing against an aggressive Accrington side, I'm not really optimistic, to be honest. No. And can we just touch quickly on my biannual moan about Tommy Lee, Pots of Boy, on played at Bogner, while I was sat in the stands there, looking, scouting the Pompey Academy players and being sat next to the Ports of Scouts who have said, not good enough, um, no point picking him up, get rid of him, useless. And uh, yep, now he's playing up front for a League One rival. And whether he'd start or not for us, you think this is just such a waste that a little team like, no no disrespect to Accrington, but from, from up north, I'm picking him up and he's their joint second top goal scorer on a free from one of our local feeder clubs. It um, says a lot really, doesn't it, about but how a team set up from a, a wider club basis. Sort it out, Husey. Just having a little think about this from a, a big picture. I know that Accrington, for instance, fifth highest pressing team in the league, like to go long, like to go direct, like to put lots of balls into the box, like to shoot when they can. It's not going to be a very dissimilar game, I suppose, to play against Wickham, is it? In the way that they play. So it's sort of round two here. Round two for the Cowleys. Didn't work out well against Wickham. But Proudy, what do you think we should do differently now against a side who are pretty similar, to be honest, at Accrington? We need to get control of the ball bell. I think that's the that's the thing. <laughs> I I wanted to say we should play higher, but we can't because our our defense is too slow. Uh it's it, it can't cover it fast enough. We just need to get hold of the ball bell. But I think the problem is is that there, there's so many factors that play against us here. We're away from home. We're playing a team, you know, who like as you mentioned, are like quite like Wickham, and we struggled against Wickham. But we're playing a team where we don't have a good record at at all. I think we've only won once since Accrington came into the football league. You know, we've there's been so many bad games we've had at Accrington as well, and obviously like the weather uh, that can affect like a lot. You'd be surprised how much that can affect players. So yeah, we just need to we just need to make like control the ball better. We just need to stop panicking. I feel like the players also. You know, I, I feel like they took a lot of risks at the start of the season and it feels like as their confidence has been shattered, they just don't take the risks anymore. And now we look too predictable. I think that's that's what people would call us. That we look way too predictable. Interesting that I looked at the sort of zones of control um, from Opta and Accrington actually have a real problem in their right-back situation where they only control sort of 42% of the possession in that in that section at right-back. Again, overrun in that section. It's so good, isn't it, that we've got an out-and-out left-winger who can who can go down the byline and <laughs> take advantage of that and put balls You're into the box, You're filling me right? with confidence here, Hugh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm filling you with confidence. This, this podcast has been about confidence, establishment, being happy with how things are going. And on that lovely note, let's just roll into the predictions. Let's go, boys. Let's get there. Let's get to the juicy bit. Freddie Webb, I want to know your score prediction, please, for Saturday and any goals, please. If it's not called off due to the weather, let's go with a 1-0 Accrington Stanley. Sean McConville goal. I know I'm predicting us to lose against Accrington, but we haven't played well. I don't see it changing that much. I'm going to say, Crowdy, you are the voice of optimism generally to the masses, right? So let's hear your score prediction. That optimism is well-founded. I will be more optimistic than Freddie. I'm going to say 1-1. I think we'll take the lead this time and then we'll have a poor second half and is somehow conceded with like 15 minutes left to play. Uh, I think uh, who's going to score for us? I think Colby's going to score on his return to Accrington and I think I think Tommy Lee's going to equalise. 
I, I say I do, and it's going to annoy you, Hugh. I know it is. Of course he is. Of course he is. That actually is changing my idea for my prediction. I had it in my head that we're going to go super defensive and just try and get a point. <laughs> nil, nil. But with that new news that Tommy Lee might be there to bash some goals in and then talk about it in the post-match interview in the most ports of accent you've ever heard, I'm going to go 2-0 Stanley and I'm going to go McConville and Tommy Lee just to knock one in right at the end. I thought I was horrendous with 1-0 here, to be honest. Let's go 2-0 Stanley. A repeat of the Wickham result. It's not It's not unthinkable, is it? Let's be honest. You, you hope it's not the case. But again, I'm going to get round to that stage where I'm going to go, I can't keep predicting us to win week after week when we've won 1 in 10. It just gets a bit disingenuous, doesn't it? So I'm, I'm going to say 2-0 Stanley. Prove me wrong. Prove me wrong, Pompey. Freddie, it's been awesome having you on the podcast. Always a pleasure, Hugh. Thank you. Proudy, cheers for coming on. Yeah, thanks for bringing me on. I'm sure uh, the next time I'm on, hopefully it uh, won't be after a defeat. I, I feel like I'm always on after a defeat. You want to get some positivity, do you? Next time we batter someone, I'm going to call you up and be like, podcast, let's go. Yeah, no, I'll probably, I, yeah, then you'll say, oh, what was wrong with the performance? And then I'll still go on for about 15 minutes about everything that went wrong, even though we won 5 0. <laughs> I can see that. Last thing before we go, uh, England prediction, please, Freddie Webb. One all, and then England losing on pens. Such optimism here. Frowdy? Uh, well, I I think we'll win 2-0. I generally do. I, I think the French uh, the French aren't as good as people are making out to be. I'm going to go for a 1-0. And I'm going to take Freddie's comment because otherwise he's going to get in trouble at the news. Mason Mount, right? Has to, <laughs> has to be. Imagine. Imagine the, the coverage if that was the case. You better start drafting those articles to help your friends out on the sports desk. But until next time... That Pompey. You have been listening to the PO Forecast for Pompey News Now. Available on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Follow PO Forecast and Pompey News Now on Twitter for more information. And there is the full time whistle.